try to organize a trip over there. Amen. So, praise God. So anyway, just if you're interested, what we're trying to do is, man, I don't know what else to do, church, but back ears and dive in. That's what my dad used to always tell me. He said, well, just back ears and dive in. We'll work it out. And so I just want to see, I believe God's leading us in this direction. We want to see how many people can help. And what we want to do right now, we have the financial end covered. I'm not looking for finances. I'm just looking to see how many people would be interested in working that maybe you couldn't go to Guatemala. That was too much of a trip. I don't even know. You know, now the testing, you got to be tested for COVID before you leave and you got to be tested when you come back. If you test positive, you're quarantined for 14 more days in Guatemala. I mean, it's a real mess. So I don't even have any trips planned to Guatemala right now. But if you want to do some missionary work and help right here in Texas, well, then Bill's the guy to talk to. So talk to him after church. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. Okay. And then so we have something else going on. All right. Now, I don't know how if I, I think everybody in here is familiar with our Freedom Prayer Program, which is basically uh, trying to help people to be uh, what it says, get free, man. And, 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 and so, so a lot of y'all have gone through the Freedom Prayer Program and Dr. Brown and uh, a whole team of people work on that. And uh, so, Doc, come up here. I, I don't know if we're ready for somebody to test me out, but I wanted you to tell everybody what has gone on and just what you told me the other day about what's going on and about praying and opening it up and all that kind of stuff. So, Well, good morning. Um, the, we have a freedom prayer team that uh, offers freedom prayer. We have a, a team of usually three people that meet with people uh, to go before the throne of grace and, um, and let Jesus minister to them and set them free in any area that he deems they need to be set free in. Well, we started this uh, together with uh, Jen and Corey Barnett at Crossbridge uh, Community Church in San Antonio. And uh, since then, uh, Jen and Corey have moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and now Jen heads up a national effort of Freedom Prayer. And we just got a, um, an email from her uh, asking us if, if our team would like to participate in a global effort of uh, offering freedom prayer to uh, people via Zoom. And uh, this would be over the nation and, uh, and even internationally. And I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, obviously, it would have to be uh, done in English, but um, uh, it, it has to be something that, um, unless we're going to just pray in tongues, I don't know, but... Uh, uh, but, but we're going to probably be heading in that way. In the meantime, our team here at, Cross, uh, at uh, Living Waters is uh, conducting monthly training sessions in order to stay sharp and, um, and develop our own skills in leading freeing prayer. And so I would encourage any and all of you to um, consider having your own personal freedom prayer. Everybody on the team goes through their own personal freedom prayer every six months. And it's just for us to, to stay free in the Lord because Galatians 5.1 says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, right? And so he says, so be sure that you continue to walk in freedom. And so that's what it's all about. So uh, be praying about that. Be praying about the freedom prayer ministry. Be praying about freedom prayer being ministered to people across the globe so that the church can be the church. Amen?
Thank you. So, you know, this whole situation with the with COVID and everything going on, and it just kind of blows my mind to think that you're, we, we could be Zooming, we could be doing freedom prayer around the world. You know, I'm like, how? I don't even understand. But, you know, then I just finally resolved to the fact that I don't really even understand how my television works. <laughs> you know, I don't understand. Just turn the thing on and, you know, so... Um, so anyway, what a, what a great deal for us as a church to then be involved in people's lives all over the, the, the country, plus all over the world. So, um, and also, if you're interested in Freedom Prayer, this is something that sparks a, a, a little thought uh, into you. It doesn't mean uh, people that are on the Freedom Prayer team are not knowing the Bible forwards and backwards or, and, and having to be the most astute uh, scholars in the world. They simply have to have a heart that's open and free and uh, want to serve the Lord. So you talk to Dr. Brown after service, if that's something that you're interested in being a part of, and uh, because I know that they're needing some more team members and needing to grow that ministry some, so uh, talk with him. Amen? I'm loving this this morning. I'm just telling you who to go talk to, and it's not me. <laughs> Amen. Well, that's what happens when it gets big. You know, I'm just believing the church is going to get bigger and bigger, and i got to have administration. i got to have people go do things, and, and I, I, man, I can't do it all. I mean, goodness gracious, I just went and did a little bitty remodel. I mean, I wouldn't even call it a remodel job. It's just a little thing down from my daughter the other day, and mom's so sore this morning, I can't hardly move, you know? So, <laughs> heaven help me. And that was just getting down on my knees and up, and you know, for about two hours and crawling around over a bathtub and doing this, and I'm like, goodness, I can't hardly move this morning. So, anyway, if you wonder what's wrong with me, I'm just sore. I'm just 60. Not yet, but it's getting close. Okay, so I'm going totally off the reservation this morning. I've been preaching to you all about the altar and about laying your heart down and all this stuff, you know, and just been getting all kinds of crazy looks and, and all kinds of crazy emails, and I've just had it. So I'm going off the reservation in a different direction this morning. And uh, I preached, I don't know how long ago, but a month or so ago, too, on the Titus effect. I hope that y'all got into the Titus effect, looked at that, you know, watched it. It's on the videos. You go find it. Just look up the Titus effect. It's there. And I was talking about the grace of God and about how grace, you've got to change the way you look at grace as a power and not just, you know, like it's just uh, making up for your mistakes. Uh, and so today I want to talk to you about mercy. And uh, I want, so get your Bibles out. Go to Lamentations chapter 3. If you don't know where Lamentations is, it's the book right after Jeremiah. It's Jeremiah's lamenting. Now, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22, a familiar scripture. Songs have been written about this. It says in the New King James translation, it says, Though the, the Lord's mercies, no, excuse me. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassion fails not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And the other day I was just praying and praying about the service, praying about what was going on. And, and the scripture popped up into my heart. And so I started asking the Lord and talking. That's how that's how the Lord always deals with me. And so I was looking for I was looking to see what was going on and just praying. about. It. So what are you talking about? What are you talking about, Lord? Whatever. And so, uh, you know, one of the things that I do love about electronics and uh is if you have your, you know, a Bible app on your phone, you know, you've get like 
40 translations, you know, you just go through their skill. And there's so I was messing around with it. And anyway, I got over into, and, and I know I'm going to get some letters on this. Just start writing them right now. <clears throat> uh, the, the English standard version, the ESV, and I went to it and, you know, there's been some controversy about, oh gosh, you know, cause there's always a controversy. Anything you do, anytime anybody brings anything out, somebody's got something against it. If you just said, you know, whatever, you could say anything. You could just, go on the internet and said, I enjoyed putting salt on my potato. And then somebody would be on there saying, what have you done? Oh my God, you've killed yourself with salt. And then somebody else would come on there and say, no, you need to take salt. Salt's good for you. And so you're going to always have those arguments. So just go ahead and write your letters. But I was looking at the ESV and, and the ESV translates it like the song that we sing. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. If you all know that song, Great is Your Faithfulness, and you've sung it before, you know it's talking about the steadfast love of the Lord. Everybody say the steadfast love of the Lord. Okay, so I began to delve into this because I want to know, to the best of my ability, what the word really means. What, when the word really is translated there, mercy, what does mercy really mean? And, and so this is where, you know, I see our, our uh, fallacies as human beings. We, you tend to get a word and then that word means something to you. But how many of y'all ever had a word that you really thought you knew what it meant, but then when you really start looking at it, it didn't really mean what you thought it meant? Has that ever happened to anybody? Happens to me all the time. I was in studying all this. I read an article about this guy who said that, uh, he had a friend who'd taken a job in Canada and that was all nervous about the job. They got the job and uh, got hired, but the, the, they were American and the, the Canadian CEO that was doing this was British. And you know, there is a difference between British English and American English, both English. And so when the person got the job, uh, she was female, and so then she got the job, and she said to the man uh, at the end of it, she's happy she's got it, she's trying not to look like a fool, and she says to him, is it okay that I wear pants to work? And the, the guy just looked horrified, just, you know, didn't know what to say, and she couldn't figure out what was wrong, because pants in Britain mean underwear. So basically, she said, can I wear underwear to, church, to work every week, you know? So yeah, it'd be a good idea, you know? So what I'm saying is even in our English translation, sometimes we get it wrong. It don't work out right. I remember even uh, Wynn and Gwen being here, and Wynn asked me, he says, oh, you got, you, are y'all still getting children and rescuing them from the tips? And I said, what are you talking about, the tips? What is the tips? He said, you know, the tips where the children are in Guatemala, y'all go rescue them. And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. What do you mean tips? And then finally it hit me. I said, you mean the dump? We dump, they tip. And he said, that's what you call it, the dump? I said, yeah, what's the matter with you? You don't even know how to speak English. What's wrong with you? He said, tips. So there's all kinds of things. So what I'm saying to you is that we took, we didn't, they took the Bible and translated it into English from Hebrew, from Greek, and you're trying to get everything right. Sometimes you've got to really research the meaning. And to me, the word mercy I got from, in my mind, this is just Robert Richards. 
my mind of the definition of mercy would be that there's somebody that's more powerful than me shows and extends mercy to me and lets me off, but they had the power to smash me if they wanted to, but they didn't. That was mercy. So me and me growing up and, and reading my Bible and the way that I say when every time it says the mercies of the Lord, I'm always thinking, oh, thank you, Lord. You didn't just smoke me, didn't fry me, didn't just, you know, drop me in the pit that you had mercy on me or sent me Jesus. Are you all with me? So then I get to look at this word mercy. Why was it translated steadfast love? Okay, and I think that's just kind of a big step. So I go to researching this. That just seems to me like you say, the mercies of the Lord endure forever, or the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. That to me seemed like a big step. So I sort of got me to dig in, in this word mercy. So the word mercy translated out of the Hebrew right there, it means goodness. This is its simplest form. It means goodness, kindness, and faithfulness. That's what it means. All right? It's translated 248 times. 149 times it's translated mercy. 40 times it's translated kindness. 30 times it's translated loving kindness. 12 times it's translated goodness. 15 times it's, I mean, five times it's translated kindly. Four times it's translated merciful. Three times it's translated favor. And one time it's translated as good. All right? But the simplicity of this word means... Goodness, kindness, and faithfulness all wrapped up into one, and that's what mercy is. So what is faithfulness? Doesn't faithfulness mean they're always there? If you said, oh, so-and-so, he's really faithful, that means he's always there, right? He always shows up. You don't have to worry about him. If he's not there, you say, where's so-and-so? Something must be wrong because he's always here, right? Because they have a, a lifestyle of faithfulness. Are y'all following me? Goodness, kindness, all of those have love and time to, you know, tied in with it, all right? But listen to this. This is what's really mind-blowing to me. Of the 248 times it appears in the Old Testament, 200 times it's followed by the word love. So I think God's trying to get a point across to us. The Psalms, when you read them, and if you, if you read it in the ESV version, the Psalms, it's always translated Steadfast love. The steadfast love of the Lord endures. The steadfast love of the Lord is there. The steadfast love of the Lord came after you. The steadfast love. In other words, they're saying mercy tied up in all of this is the goodness, the kindness, the faithfulness of God all wrapped up, directed towards you. Okay? So the definition for steadfastness out of Webster's Dictionary, out of just looking up in different dictionaries, it means immovable, steadfastness. It was steadfast. It was immovable, irrefutable, unchanging, unalterable, and completely and utterly dependable. Are y'all following me here? Okay. So when it says a steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, that means God's, let me read it again. God's immovable, irrefutable, unchanging, unalterable, completely and utterly dependable love is always going towards you. So when you're, you know, when you go squirrely and you're off over in left field 
and you're freaking out and you're losing it and you're saying, oh God, why aren't you doing anything? Oh God, why aren't you moving? Oh God, why aren't you taking care of me? Oh God, why aren't things working out like I'm supposed to be? I prayed and you didn't move. I did this and you didn't move. God doesn't change. He's still this force of unmovable, irrefutable, unchangeable, utterly dependable love force coming right towards you. Just going right towards you doesn't change. Aren't you glad God doesn't freak out on the throne? Like, I'm glad I wasn't raised. You know, like there's a lot of crazy things that I learned growing up. Like if it's raining and the sun's shining, the devil's beating his wife. Like, where did that come from? Right. But I mean, I've heard that all the time. And to this day, it's raining. Like I said, huh, devil beating his wife. Well, I'm glad to know that I wasn't taught like when it thundered. That was when God was running around heaven, freaking out because he didn't know what to do. Are y'all with me? <laughs> Unchangeable, unmovable, utterly dependable. But we humans, we tend to think that when we've prayed and God doesn't move like we think he should move, that something's gone wrong in heaven. Preaching good. You may not like it, but I'm preaching good. We always want to point the finger at God and say, he ain't doing nothing. What's going on? What's happening? I do it myself. But the truth of the matter is, we have to look at what the Word of God says about the nature of God. You see, this is where people get it wrong. They get all so caught up in their own agendas, in their own crazy paradigms, that they get caught up in all of this thinking that then everything they see, that, that they're, 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 they're looking at it skewed. Okay. Like everything right now, you know, we're all trying to be whatever. I don't know what we're trying to be, but gender neutral or I don't know what this you call this. OK, but what I'm saying is you got to be so careful. You know, and they were talking about what did they say this about? What, what is it called? Come on, y'all help me here. I'm just lost about. They said that to, to be politically correct. You can't say he, she, you know, all this. And you're supposed to speak like this. Like, how do you do this? Like, like I, I just stand no chance. I stand no chance of getting it right. I cannot be reprogrammed like that. My point is, we do that in our heads. We start skewing things because of just like the way I was looking at mercy was really wrong. Because truly mercy was God's unbelievable goodness and kindness and faithfulness coming out towards me. Not he's the ogre. He's the more powerful one that could have smashed me, but he just didn't and had mercy on me. How did that come about? I needed freedom prayer before this. To set my thinking straight, that's what it's all about. My thinking was skewed. Why? I don't know. Maybe I watched too many old westerns when I was a kid. You know, where the judge is up there and the guy said, oh, have mercy on me, you know. I don't know. I don't know how that, that developed in my thinking, but I'm just telling y'all this morning, my thinking of mercy was not this that I'm preaching to you this morning. So now my whole world's open up to me because now when I look at Every time it's translated mercy, I'm looking at it like, wow. 
So it was a steadfast love of the Lord that sent Jesus to us. It was a steadfast love of the Lord that, that had Jesus go take Isaiah 53, all the abuse upon him so it didn't fall on us. That's truly mercy. But it didn't stop. It's not like, folks, this is what we don't understand all the time. We let the devil get us talked out of by distractions and all these other things. Get us talked out of what really is the truth because God's steadfast love is pouring out to you right now, whether you realize it or not. And it was fresh and new. Huh? What? Every morning. So in other words, it doesn't lose its power. It's not like a battery in your flashlight that's going down. You go, we go around all the time with our phones and look at how much power I got left. Right? You're not having to do that on the God meter. I think we can make it. Hurry, let's go to bed quick because we're going to run out of power. No, the, fresh, the mercies of the Lord are fresh and new every morning. They're there for you. It's always abounding. It's always at 100% capacity flowing towards you, going towards you to bring you what? Goodness, kindness, and faithfulness. And there's no way it's steadfast. It cannot be stopped because doesn't Romans 8 tell us what? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from this. <clears throat> I'm going to get into this a little bit more. I'm kind of killing my message. But the Bible says that when you're unfaithful, he's still faithful, right? So hold on. If nothing can separate us from the love of God, that means in the middle of your trauma, in the middle of your trial, in the middle of your worry, in the middle of your freaking out, the middle of your screaming and pulling your hair and, oh God, why aren't you doing something? He was still there 100%. Whoosh. So what we have to do is change our way of thinking. So that means when all troubles and trials are happening, that at that moment, you have to stop and say, man, I'm glad today that the goodness and the steadfast love of the Lord and dearest reverend, it's headed towards me. It's all over me. It's covering me up. God's love is all over me. So, Lord, what do you want to do? Because the enemy wants to come over here questioning God, saying, why aren't you doing something? When the truth of the matter is, we should be over here and saying, Lord, you know, I'm wrapped in your love. And, you know, I, I, how can anything go wrong? You know, you all know the old thing, you know, like the... the Parents always tell the kids, you don't know what rough is. You know, I had to go uphill to school both ways through the snow, you know. Right? It's always worse. But why do we do that? If you stop and you turn around and say, you know, Lord, it may be seem like it's uphill right now, but your love is abounding towards me. Then that tends to heal your soul because you realize you're wrapped in love. So the real question is, oh, listen to me now. The real question is not do you have the faith to get God to move, but is are you going to stay in his love or not? Are you going to stay in his love or not? <clears throat> part of I believe the part of the, uh, the, the problem with some of the charismatic doctrine, and charismatic teaching was that we always were taught we got to get to this level of faith. We get to this place, this great level, you know, and then we're going to start to see everything happen. But the truth of the matter is, folks, you're not God and you're not going to get up to a certain level. Then you were commanding the stars in the, in the, the skies to move. A woman came into church one day, not here in the Bible, and uh, walked into church one day and she was all humped over and Jesus saw her. And he said, woman, you're loosed. She stood up straight. Half the church got mad. They shouldn't be doing that kind of work on a, a Sunday. Shouldn't be doing work. I, I would propose to those people who did the work. 
I mean, he just spoke a word. He didn't do anything. There was no like break out the medical kit. He just said, woman, you're loose. And boom, she stood up. So if anybody did any work that day, it would have been God working. So who wants to question him? Did that woman have perfect faith? Was she just perfect in all her faith? Did she have this Bible memorized forwards and backwards and knew all the scriptures, could quote every verse and knew what it was and standing on the promises of God and quoting, no, she just came in contact with the power of God through Jesus. My point is, it's what the devil wants us to do is take us out of that. And folks, listen to me. I've said this and I've said I want to say it again this Sunday. That's what's taking place right now in the world is all of this stuff that's going on because the devil wants to get you mad about the vaccine passport or the vaccine or this or mask or stupid and stupid and stupid and stupid and stupid. <laughs> Till you get distracted. And then you're not dealing with it. You're you're over here. <sighs> weeping and gnashing of teeth. <sighs> You're mumbling, grabbing, complaining. You go read the headlines. You're like, ah, I can't believe this. And so then you just got yourself all sidetracked and you're not over there in the steadfast love of the Lord, enduring forever saying, God, I'm just so glad I'm loved today. We're all like, come back, Jesus. We're sick of this stuff. Just get us out of here. We don't want to mess with it anymore. Let the rest of the lot go to hell. Just come get us. We're being really good, loving Christians, you know? <laughs> I knew this was going to be a, a two-bottle message this morning. <laughs> Heavy drinker today. So my point is, folks, we've got to get into this steadfast love. This is where we want to be. Quit getting over in the, in the... Well, I don't know if that was properly translated like that. Go read the Bible and look at it. Look at the nature of God and his unchanging ways towards mankind. Okay? Now, if you go to the New Testament and look at the Greek word mercy, okay, it means kindness or goodness. His, kindness or his goodwill towards the miserable and the afflicted, joined with a desire to help them. That's what it means in the Greek. Okay? So how about Hebrews 4.16? Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and a help in a time of need. So in other words, you're going to the throne room of grace, back to the, my message on the Titus effect, and you've got the grace of God, the power of God towards you, and you get granted mercy, which is eternal steadfast love directed towards you. All because you did one thing. You made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. When the world didn't believe in him, you stood up and you said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. Lord, I'm looking to you to forgive me of my sins. Forgive me, Lord. I, I love you. I want to live in heaven with you. I believe in you. That right there translated you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, where the steadfast love of the Lord began to just flow as a force towards you, going to you. Nothing could separate you from the love of God. Nothing could stop it. No devil in hell, no anything could ever, ever separate you from the love of God. The love of God would be stretching out towards you all the time. And even when you didn't love God, he still loved you. Even when you weren't faithful, he was still faithful. Never stopped it, never quit. Okay. 
Psalms 118.1 in the ESV says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Forever. Never stops. Psalm 63, 3 and 4 says, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live in your name. I will lift up my hands. Now, listen to me. You see what I'm saying is if you folks listen to me, do you know that children do not develop if they don't feel loved? Does anybody in the natural, does anybody want to argue that with me in the natural? Huh? Okay. We know that in child development. A child will not develop if they don't feel loved. Hello? Y'all, why are y'all looking at me crazy? Everybody just went quiet on me. You should be saying, yes, yeah, right, Pastor. I mean, y'all are just looking at me. And that makes me nervous like I think y'all don't agree with me. Okay, y'all are in agreement? Okay, well then what about spiritual development? How is your spiritual development with God going to grow if you don't know you're loved? If you're feeling today that there's something that separates you from the love of God, like you did something wrong or you've committed too much sin or you weren't faithful or you weren't this or you weren't that or you didn't do that, and you're thinking that away, well, then how are you going to spiritually develop properly if you don't even know that you're loved? But if you grab this message this morning and say, wow, I didn't realize just because I got saved, God's steadfast love, this immutable, irrefutable love is there for me. He doesn't go, dadgum, I'm so mad at him. Jesus doesn't have to rub the father's shoulder and say, come on, daddy, it's okay. Calm down. Don't get mad at him. Don't smoke him. Don't frown. Because God is a God who changes not. He's not going to change. He's not going to change his nature. And he's a God that says, my steadfast love is, is it's better than life. Psalms 103, 2 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all my iniquities, who heals all my diseases, who redeems my life from the pit, who crowns me with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. Listen to me, I'm not, listen, I'm never going to preach life is perfect. You can get to a place that you can hold everything back, okay? That you can be the master of your domain and just speak and you don't do anything but walk in candy land and joy because you never have any trial or tribulation. I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to tell you that through every trial, through every tribulation, through every issue, through every problem in life, the steadfast love of the Lord is abounding towards you. And if you would stop looking at the problem and start looking at the power of God and what he's directed towards you, it's going to change you on the inside of you so that you can walk in the mercy, walk in that steadfast love, change so that you then can be whole in his eyes and with him flowing back and forth together. In your eyes and in his eyes. Are you seeing what I'm saying? We're the ones hindering the flow of God. And our crazy thinking. Psalms 85.10 says, mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. (laughs) Listen to this. The steadfast love of the Lord and his truth, they met together. What a meeting. What a meeting. The steadfast love of the Lord and the truth of his word. They met and righteousness and peace have kissed. So it's like this marriage over here. 
You've got the, un, the steadfast love of God meeting his truth, and they came together and kissed and then pushed out righteousness to all the world. That's a beautiful picture. <laughs> that is a beautiful picture. Now, how does this work? Well, God always sees the best in you. God is the God that sees the end from the beginning. He always sees the best in you. He doesn't see you as you are. Like, I, I want to tell you some of the most joyful days of my life have always been in the mission field. Okay? And one of the reasons why I realize that is because when you're in the mission field, you're not looking in the mirror. There is no mirrors. They're not spending any money on a mirror. You're down there just living. You just put your clothes on. You just do the best that you can to comb your hair and whatever. And you just go and you work and you just see it and you don't see yourself. Yourself is taken out of the picture. You're helping others. You're working and everything and, and going along there. And you're just you're and you're just happy. And then you come home. And you're like, oh, man, look. Got some eyebrow hair just growing there. I need to cut off. Why? Because you're not looking at yourself. See, when we stand around in America today, we're always looking at self. Everything's about self, 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 self. Here's what you should look like. Here's the actress. Here's the actor. This is what you should be. You should be flat bellied. You should be this. You should be this tall. You should look like that. You should wear these clothes. You should have this. You should get this hairstyle. You should do this. You should smell like this. You should do this. And so they're always telling you. And so it's all like, woo, 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 So we get focused on now or the past. Our failures our disappointments. We're not looking at future. And if we are looking at the future, it's just the future. What? <clears throat> I mean, things are so bad right now. It's hard to just sit and just take God out of the equation and believe we're going to have a very good future. All right. So we don't look towards the future. But what we should be doing and the closest I can have to explain this to you and I've never tried it and will never, is virtual reality. They have these virtual reality things now, you know? Put the deals over your face, you can't see them, but you see everything in there, and it's like you're living it. In a sense, the minute I heard about this concept and heard about everything that's going on, it hit me as that's the way we need to be living, in the virtual reality that we've set up based upon the truth of God's word, where God's steadfast love and his truth have kissed. That's where we need to be living. So the, the reality that we need to be living in is the reality of the word, not some false reality. Now, you see, there's nothing that's unnatural about this. You can go over there and, you know, look at uh, the, throughout the scriptures. You know, I love it when the disciples, Jesus is trying to get a point across to them. And they're saying, well, you want to burn this city down? You want to call fire down from heaven? You want to... See, their reality was off. They weren't thinking like Jesus was thinking. And sometimes we're not thinking like Jesus is thinking. And the place we need to live is in this reality of our future that we live in this place where steadfast love kissed with truth and it's directed towards us. So that means everything. Think about how much your faith is going to in, in, uh, well up in you when all of a sudden you come into a situation like, uh, oh, gosh, Lord, what's going on? But you have the assurance on the inside of you that his steadfast love is there for you and his truth is there for you. So all you have to do is walk through it. I've always said this and I, I, 
I just can't see it any other way. If I was a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I would have been fighting, scratching, holding on to everything. I don't think I'd have just said, yes, throw me into the fire. I just know me. If I was Stephen and they were throwing rocks at me, I would have had to throw one back. <laughs> I don't know if I could have had the great faith to just look up to heaven and say, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. I want to be that person, but I know there's still some Robert down in there. And so if they're going to drag me and throw me into the fire, I think I'd have been holding on to the guard, got hold of his feet, tripped them all up, grabbed the chairs that went by. They're kicking a guy, turn on that chair. I don't think I'd have gone just, oh, I'm going to the fire. Don't think I'd have done it. Maybe someday I'll get there. And maybe you're there. Maybe you're one of those holier people. And you can pray for me. Don't send me a letter. Just pray for me. Maybe someday I'll reach that, that place of that pinnacle that you're on. So how do I know this? Judges chapter six. Let me wrap this up here in Judges chapter six. Judges chapter six, a story of Gideon. And let me just tell it to you so we don't have to go through and read everything. But, you know, here's the Midianites. They're, they're going in they're, they're, they're going over the land of Israel. They're, they're, they're just pillaging the land. They're stealing all the good stuff. They're taking everything from it. They're doing all of that kind of stuff. And, they're, and, and Gideon, is this, there's nothing special about Gideon. Matter of fact, it says in, in verse 11, Judges 6, 11 says that the angel of the Lord came to him. He sat underneath the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, and which belongs to Joash, the Abizrite, uh, while his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press in order to hide from the Midianites. This dude's in a wine press. He's hiding. He's not a big bold guy. He's not standing out in front saying, come on, y'all want a piece of me? He's standing over there hiding, threshing his wheat. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. What? He's hiding in a deal. You can, where is this? You know why? Because the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. The steadfast love of the Lord was abounding towards him. In the spiritual realm, Gideon was standing there and the steadfast love of the Lord was around him. And so he was seeing who he was in that steadfast love, which made him the mighty man of valor and that God was with him. And Gideon said, oh, Lord, if the Lord's with me, well, then why is all this happening to me? Are y'all following me? If you've gotten to that place in life that you're saying, oh, God, if you're with me, why is all this happening to me? You have lost sight of the place where the steadfast love and the truth of God's word kissed. I can tell you all the first place I kissed my wife. You know, it meant something. I've been married to that woman for 41 years. We're best friends. We love each other. And I can remember where I first kissed her. My point is, can you remember where you first kissed the love of God? Can you remember when you first touched this place where truth and the steadfast love of the Lord kissed towards you? Then why have you let the world get you distracted and you forgot about it. If you want to be everything that you're called to be in life, if you want to walk in all the benefits that God has for you, well, then you have to live in this place. This has to become your reality. 
where steadfast love and righteousness kiss. And so you know the story of Gideon goes on, he becomes victorious. But that's where so many people are. They're saying, Lord, if you really loved us, why is this taking place? And I can't answer those questions. I can't answer. I, I'm not, God did not create me with the prophetic insight to look into your life and say, oh, oh I see. You need to. What he did give me the anointing to do is to preach a message to you. And if your faith will grab hold of it right now, you can be set free. You can come up here and take communion and the steadfast love and get back to that place of the steadfast love and the truth of righteousness kissing. And it can be again like your first kiss with Jesus. Hebrews 13, 8 is the last scripture I'm giving you. We're going to have communion. Hebrews 13, 8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3 says, I am the God who changes not. The steadfast love of the Lord is a force to each and every one of you today. So when you come up here in just a minute and take communion, I want, to rem I want to remind you of this. When you come up here and take communion, this is where your faith should be. I don't know what's going on in life. I don't know what's taking place. All of those of you watching out there, I don't know where you are, what's going on, what's taking place. But listen to me. Right now today, your faith can touch this place that I'm talking about of the steadfast love of the Lord that endures forever towards you, that is mercies and fresh and new every day for you. You just have to want it. You just have to desire it. Quit listening to the world. Quit letting all that get you distracted. And man, dig into the things of God. Amen.